Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Good morning. It's uh, July 28th, Thursday. And I'm Albert Moeller. We don't know what you're doing, but you're here with us. This is a daily analysis. It's not a daily analysis. He's on vacation. He's in events. And yeah, he true until did the not first. ask us to fill in. I think he should send his listeners to us until he's ready to That'd step back into it. That'd be great. Um, we'll talk to Mark about that. Yeah. We you know, that. We'll get him to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It's, uh, man, I'm, I'm totally thrown by that. Hey, you know, some significant things that happened on July 28th. I don't, but I'm guessing you do. I always have some nuggets for you. Okay. Franz Ferdinand. Do you, does that name ring Franz, a bell? Is it a band? It's not. He was uh, the one that was assassinated to launch the beginning of World War One. That oh, wow. that took place on July twenty eighth. Right. Yep. I, I do remember that vaguely yep. now. Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis was born on July twenty eighth. Onassis. Onassis. Is that her original maiden name? That was her like second married name, I think, because she got married, I think, after. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. She married JFK, who was shot here in Dallas. I don't yeah. know if you know that. Did you know that? I did know that. Did you hear that? I yeah. just visited the memorial actually yesterday. Or did, no, no, no. Uh, earlier this week. Okay. Yeah. And there's like the X on the ground where he yes, was shot. There's multiple X's. I so know. what do you think? Was it one shooter? Was it multiple shooters? Definitely two shooters. Okay. Without a shadow of a doubt. Okay. And I think they have good reasons not to tell us why. Okay. Wow. We're just like owning the conspiracy theories. I mean, I just, I feel like... <laughs> I think the government is under no obligation to tell us everything they know. Well, it's crazy too, because we were just talking about it with my daughter the other day driving around because we talk about fun stuff like, you know, presidents <laughs> being shot, <laughs> being shot. Great. And uh, she was like, did they catch the guy? I said, yeah, Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, what happened to him? I said, well, a guy named Jack Ruby shot him right afterwards. <laughs> oh, right. Interesting. And now we have like, no way what? to know for sure what, yeah. what happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. But, and as a classical music lover yourself, you'll... Uh, more in this one. J.S. Bach died uh, on this date. On July 28th. July 28th. Mm. So for what it's worth, that's the, some things that happened on July 28th. The day when music died. But something else that happened on July 28th now is that we've got this podcast that's out. Oh, yep. And redeems everything you just said. I think. Maybe. Probably not. But It redeems it all. Hey. But you're here and it's happening. And so we hope it's a blessing to you. Yes. Um, July 28th, this edition of the Daily Bible Podcast. And we're in Psalm 50, 51, and 52, uh, which has some pretty great content there. So good. I can't wait to jump in. Let's do this. And then Acts 17, uh, the first half of it, or first part of it. Acts 17, we're going backward now? No, Acts 27. Man. Acts You just wanted your 17? I mean, we could do that if you wanted to. Why did 27 sound so wrong in my brain? I don't know, man. (laughs) You just want to do the review? Let's do it. Is this even the 28th? It's not the 28th. It's the 27th today. We've been That's just right. misleading to take all that stuff that we just said and cast it to tomorrow. <laughs> Welcome to the 27th. Because that's on Friday. Yeah. I did. You know, you know what's worse? As you were talking, I remember that the 28th is Kristen's birthday. <laughs> Which is on Friday. I have such a... That's why, that's why in my head I was like, oh no, nothing. Hey, your wife's the number didn't connect until yeah we just your wife's birthday is on Friday by the way on Friday not Thursday and all that stuff happened on Friday that happened also so we just this whole thing was a but we're gonna just roll with it <laughs> this is why people listen 
It's I don't think this is why they listen. On the fly, fun stuff like this. People have been yelling at their cars or at their phones this whole time. Going, <laughs> I'd like to see them the- yell at their cars. <laughs> yeah. Well, you haven't driven with me enough then to see that, but okay um hey psalm 50 uh we have a new psalm writer here and it's asaf is how it my computer pronounced it at least yeah i mean that's the the emphasis is on the second the last syllable usually yeah here in texas we just call him asaf yeah i figure texas yeah. does whatever texas wants yep asaf you can call him asaf if you want uh but asaf asaf was appointed by by david to be one of the singers and uh, one of the musicians mm. and so he had his job was to write songs much like the sons of Korah were and so here's uh, one specific name that we get and he is Asaph and, and he writes Psalm 50 a great psalm of praise and thanksgiving and glorification uh, to God and yet there's also uh, this uh, call out from God to the people of Israel and this indictment of the people of Israel they deserved it. and it starts in verse 7 he says I'm going to testify against you I am your God not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you in other words you're doing that just fine like yeah. you're, you're going through the motion you want credit for that? Yeah, you're going through the motions. Full credit. But I'm done accepting those things from you. No credit. Because I don't need those from you. Don't want it. Because, and you'll hear this quoted quite often around the church, at least, every beast of the force is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills is mine. There it is. There's the context for it here. That's right. Jesus is saying, or God is saying, I, I don't need you to bring your bulls and your goats and your, your lambs to the temple anymore. I own it all. You're not doing me a favor, in other words. I don't want your stuff. And that's important for us to remember. When you come to church, you're not doing God a favor by showing up, right? Or you're, serving. Or serving or worshiping or giving or anything. Like we're not doing God a favor as though he's like, oh man, thanks for doing that for me. I really needed that. Right. He needs nothing. He has everything. Um, and, and it can get to the place if we just fall into this trap of this rote just going through the motions. What happens there in verses 16 and 17? He says, what right do you have to recite my statue? What a terrifying what a terrifying comment by God. What right do you have to come into my presence and worship me? For you hate discipline and you cast my words behind you. Oof. In other words, you don't want you don't want them. They're not before you. Psalm 119 talks about you know keeping the word ever before our eyes and walking according to its light. And instead, these people are casting it behind their back there. They want nothing to do it. You give your mouth free reign for evil and your tongue frames deceit. He says, I'm, I'm done with this, right? Mark this then you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. There's mercy here in this Psalm, right? There's grace that's offered because he's giving them a chance There's to a repent, warning. right? In verse 23, the one who offers Thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me to the one who orders his way rightly. I will show the salvation of God. Yeah, these next few chapters in the Psalms all have a unifying theme. Many of the times they do. And I think this one is so evident and so awe-inspiring because it calls not only these guys out. I think it rightly steps on our toes too. Because he's telling us, look, you can you can go through all of the perfunctory outward motions of what appears to be worship. You can read your Bible. You can pray and, and even offer very flowery and beautiful sounding prayers. You can lift your hands in worship and you can do all the things without having the heart in the right place. And God says, I don't want that. I don't want mm-hmm. your forms of worship. I want your faithfulness. I want your real heart ordered my direction, which is what verse 23 says. The, to the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice, that's the one who glorifies me, the one who's inwardly worshiping him. And what a good reminder for us. Absolutely. So in Psalm 50, he's gathered the earth, as it says there at the beginning, he summons the earth because he has this indictment. Well, in Psalm 51, the, the focus is not on the entire earth or all of Israel, but it's one uh, individual, and that's mm. the individual of David. This is rough. And the superscription is there, right? The, the Psalm of David, 
when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So you remember that story uh, when, when David had committed the sin in Second Samuel chapter 11 and Nathan comes in and confronts him and there's the whole, you are that man indictment, right? Mm. With, with Nathan to David. Well, this is what gives us beyond the rest of the, the uh, narrative in Second Samuel, but this is what gives us a glimpse into David's heart being truly repentant is a psalm like Psalm 51. Um, and David is confessing and repenting here and he's, you see, truly grieved over his sin as primarily an offense against God. There's these petitions where he's asking God to have mercy on him and to cleanse him and to wash him and to purge him with hyssop, which was a, a branch that was used in ceremonial cleansing services there. Wash me, hide your face from my sins. But here's the verse I want to call attention to. Look at verse four. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. I think Bathsheba would maybe argue with that. How about Uriah, the dead guy? Anybody from the grave going, wait a minute. He can't speak. I would like to, or even the the, the messengers that he dispatched and included in the conspiracy and his soldiers to, to commit this murder. I mean, there's a plentiful number of people that David sinned against in this equation. Hashtag me too. (laughs) (laughs) Things I did not expect to happen right now. (laughs) And yet he says against you and you only have I sinned. So what do we do with this? Well, what we do with this is we understand that David is emphasizing the holiness of God and that the chief offense, even over above all of the other people that he may have sinned against was him and God for him to go and get right with Bathsheba and ask for her forgiveness for him to go and get right with his military commander and ask for his forgiveness for him to go and get right with the servants that he sent to, to do his dirty work and get right with them to ask their forgiveness. Even if all of them granted their forgiveness, he still has failed to go and get right with the one that he needs to get right with. And that is God. Mm. And, and that's important for us to remember Christian is that when we sin against someone else, this is not saying we don't need to go and make amends with the person that we sin against. You should, you should. What this is saying is your primary, your first stop, your main offense is an offense against God over and above it being an offense against them. And this ties in so well with, again, the theme that we started seeing in the last chapter. God wants, in verse 6, truth in the inward being. He wants, in verse 10, a clean heart and a right spirit within us. And on top of that, you see in verse 16, God doesn't delight in sacrifice, David says, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices that God wants from us, even in the midst of our repentance, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, he says, you will not despise. The idea here, again, comes back to the inward person. Our our religion, Christianity, is not about doing the stuff, although the stuff comes along with it. Paul said that in our our last chapter, right? There's repentance and uh, good deeds in keeping with our repentance, but... Our religion is not one of outwardness, or at least outwardness alone. It emanates from the inward to the outward. So be sure to see this, even in our next chapters. We'll look at that soon. Notice that what David paints here is a picture of inward confession that results in contriteness and confession and a desire to be reconciled to God. And we see the confession, repentance, and then the change as well, the transformation that David sets himself to in verses 13 and 14 when he says, then... After you've forgiven me and cleansed me and restored me, then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will return to you. And so he's talking about even he wants to to, to write his behavior after right. this too. One thing that I think is, is worth noticing here is uh, this prayer that he has when he says, cast me not away from your presence and Ooh. take not your Holy Spirit from me. Yeah, I was hoping to get to this. Yeah. So Pastor Rod, is that a prayer that a Christian should ever pray to God? No, no, <laughs> you should never pray this. Because I think what's happening here is something very different than what a Christian would experience. Because David's understanding and experience of the Holy Spirit 
was different than a Christian's experience of the Holy Spirit. Indeed, under this dispensation, David's understanding of the Holy Spirit was the anointing agent by which he ruled and expressed and exercised his kingly authority. So when he says, don't take your Holy Spirit away from me, I wonder if he has in mind what happened to King Saul. Right. When King Saul disqualified himself, God's Spirit left him. But I don't think it's a salvific leaving more than it is an anointing, right. the anointing of leadership. Right, and and we yeah, we saw that. The, this, there were multiple times in Saul's life the Spirit would rush upon him and he would do something great. Right. And then the interim, the spirit was not upon him and he would be sinning or he'd be rebelling against God. So that's, that's the context there. That's what David is praying. He's, this is not something that a Christian needs to say, oh no, do I need to pray that God's not going to cast me away from his presence? We have plenty of verses in the new Testament that we'll get to through this whole series as we're going through it, but they give us that assurance that once we're saved, God is going to hold on to us and hold fast to us no matter what comes. Amen. We have no need to fear ever being lost because we didn't save ourselves and we can't, we can't lose ourselves either. Right. As MacArthur would always say, if we could, we would. That's right. right. That's and true. that's all of us. That's right. That's all of us. Psalm 52, then you get David with Doeg. Uh, you remember Doeg, oh, Doeg, Doeg the Edomite. Man. This guy was slum. Uh, he I was a scum. spit every time I hear his name. Yeah. <laughs> he was slime and scum. He was a slum. That's slum. what I was. That's what I was. Yeah. yeah. And, and David's just calling him out saying, why are you so prideful? Do you not think you're going to get yours? God will break you down forever. He will snatch and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God. Mm. Verse eight, I will thank you forever because you've done it. I will wait for your name for it's good in the presence of the godly. Right now, churches, you're looking around and, and even the political landscape and you might see opponents or those that you look at and you say, how, how evil, how wicked can you be? And, and there's that, that indignation, that hot indignation that sometimes boils up within us. This is a good reminder that God is going to take care of that, that though they boast here on earth, they will ultimately not be boasting. And this is the tension, right? We, we want to pray that they'll bow their knee to Christ and that, that, that indignation that we feel will realize, okay, that was poured out on Christ on the cross for that person if they bow their knee. But if not, justice will be done is the point of this, I think. Right. And, and one verse I wanted to point out to you in, in verse six, the righteous shall see and fear and shall laugh at him. Mm. That one kind of stood out to me because I wondered, okay, what kind of laughter is that? What kind of laughing does the righteous do when the wicked falls? And part of it, I think the answer is, is multi-layered, but know this, uh, one, God does a lot of laughing too. And in fact, you might remember Psalm chapter two, when we covered this so many weeks ago, it was God who laughs in heaven mm. and he holds them in derision, he says. Well, I think the laughter here is not so much one of a boasting and, and a mockery so much as it, as it is one of relief, one that says, hi, and it's kind of like when you hear good news. Oh, man, the, the treatment worked, and you're like laughing with tears of joy, tears of, of, of great gladness, a sense of vindication. So the righteous see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, see the man who would not make God his refuge. Look what happens when you don't trust God. I don't think it's mockery so much as it is a, a vindication and a, and a relief. But again, notice in verses eight and nine, the true worshiper is the one who has that deep felt trust from the inward out. Uh, David's life is good in their relative sense, not because he's a better person, so to speak, but his heart is steadfast and fixed on the Lord who is, be, who is to be trusted forever and ever. Let's go to Acts 27. What if I don't want to? Well, we're, we're, we need to. Okay. We're going to. Acts 27, we are in the first, uh, I believe, 25 verses of Acts 27, which is weird. Why didn't they grab 26? 26 is like, it's like a hangnail now. It's just there. It's not, whatever. We'll hit 26 too. We're going to go rogue. (laughs) We're going to go through 26. Anyways, 
Paul has uh, appealed to Caesar and you remember they said, Hey, if you hadn't appealed to Caesar, Caesar, we're going to let you go. And, and so now he's off and uh, he gets on a boat and they're going to sail, but it's going to take a while to get there. And uh, they want to winter in certain areas and a storm dry, r- rises up. But, but Pastor Rod, I, I meant to look this up earlier and I, I just didn't do it. I'm, I'm wondering if you noted, or maybe you just know this because you're a sailing buff. I, I do ask, what is the lee of Cyprus? So the lee would be the part of the island that's protected from the wind. So I, I looked this up because I did not know. I had to look up all the parts of the ship and then understand what the lee meant. And apparently <laughs> that's also a nautical term that refers to the side of the ship that is not being directly hit by the wind. So it's kind of the, uh, it's protected from the wind. And apparently it's a method that helps the ship go faster because there, the wind is catching the sail in such a way that it's pushing this, the boat along much more quickly. When it refers to the island, it's the part of the island that's not getting the wind. Okay. Okay. Maybe you're a sailor out there and you, you're, you're, I'm sorry. To this and I'm so sorry. Just that's the best I could no, do. I, I appreciate that. Cause I, <laughs> no, I was telling sorry to them. I looked it up <laughs> on, on, uh, on Lagos and, and BDAG did not help me. BDAG is the, the Greek looked. commentary and it just sails. It says sail under the lee of an island in such a way that the island protects the ship from the wind, which is what you were just talking about. Right. Well, and that's why I saw videos and demonstrations of it. I had graphs on my screen. I wow. did the whole thing. Wow. Because I wanted, because I passed, I've read this so many times and I've yeah. always had to ask, what does that mean? Yeah. What is the lead? And now I know the bow is the front of the ship. Stern. The stern is the, the back. back. Okay. What's the right side? Port is left. That's right. Starboard. Starboard. That's right. right. Very good. I, I, go, I, just, I just learned that. I've been on a boat like three times. <laughs> I've been on the boat more than that, I think, but I never memorized the parts. Yeah, no more than that. I guess I always went on the father-child fishing trip at That's AV. That's true. You so did. Aliso Viejo or Old Church, right? Yeah. And I went on the overnight deep sea fishing trip like right after we got there. Good for you. God, it wasn't me. It was, I did not have a choice. <laughs> One pastor on staff to be renamed. R- remain nameless. Remain nameless. Lucas words. Pace. Yep. Pace. Yeah. His initials are definitely Lucas Pace. <laughs> he was like, "Hey, you're going to go on this trip." He was like, "But it's okay. I'm going." I'm like, "No, I, I don't think you understand. That doesn't just make me feel better." Unless did you guys share a cot? We didn't. Okay. I'll just say this. And my wife is probably listening to this right now, rolling her eyes because the twins were like two weeks old when I left to go on that overnight deep sea trip. Uh, I've never slept better (laughs) than when I did on that boat, man, those waves just rocking me to sleep. That's awesome. Yeah. So she still asked me about that. Anyways, we didn't sail under the, any lees or anything like that. And we had a motor on that ship, but uh, Paul didn't. And uh, the, the, the situation gets bad and he even says to them, Hey, look, uh, in verse 10, I perceive the voyage is going to be with injury and much loss, not just for the cargo, but also for our lives. We should really not go any further, but they're looking at Paul going, what do you know? You meant make tents for a living. You, right. Uh, what do you know? And so they, on. they decide to leave anyways, this massive storm comes up and it interrupts their, their, uh, progress. In fact, look at verse 16. They run under another Lee of another small Island called Kauda, 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 I think. Kauda. 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 You say Kauda. And they managed to secure the ship's boat and hoisting it up. They use supports. Anyways, things are going bad and they start throwing things overboard. And then look at verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all of our hope of being saved was at last abandoned. That's interesting language from Luke, isn't it? That is an interesting language. Because he puts it in first person plural. It's like, hey, we're done. Yeah. this This is the end for us. And I wonder if Paul was as desperate in that circumstance. Mm. It doesn't seem like it because you remember in Acts 23, 11, Jesus stood by Paul and said, you must appear before Rome. So Paul had this abiding confidence mm. 
that he was going to be there. And yet Luke here is saying, we thought we were dead. I don't know. I think he's exceptional because the second, the next verse afterwards seems, it seems to suggest that Paul might be the one guy who's like, you know what guys? Here's yeah. The situation. And, and this is dire. They'd been without food for a long time. So they're hungry. They're, they're suffering. The, the storm is, is beating down on them. Paul stands up on them and says, you should have listened to me and not said sail for Crete. Thanks. Is this an I told you so? Thanks, Paul. Like, <laughs> it's kind of a jerk move if it's what it seems like. Paul's like, guys, don't you just wish yeah. you listen to what I said? Unless he's testifying to the glory of God. Unless he's saying, look, I told you guys under God's direction, we should not have <laughs> it doesn't gone. doesn't say that though. It he, says, men, you should have listened to me and not true. set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yeah, that's true. Period. That's true. Yet now I urge you to take heart, verse 22, there will be no loss of life among you. See, I wonder I if he waited a few minutes to say that second part. Right. right Just let that first like, part hang. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. So what, are, what do you have for us? This very night, there stood before me an angel of God. So Paul had another messenger. Well, and, and maybe that, maybe Paul was despairing and the angel of God came to remind him. I, I mean, That's who knows, thought, right? Yeah. That's potential. Because another angel of God comes and, and said, don't be afraid, Paul. He's got to correct Paul's fear. So it seems that Paul had some fear there. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. That must have been the relief at that point. They're like, oh, okay, good. So take heart for I have faith in God that will be exactly as I have been told. Verse 26, but it's going to come with some some pain. We're going to run aground first. So that's 27, one through 26. Paul is on his way to Rome. And I think, again, what we see here is we see God's sovereignty ordaining providentially going through making sure that his will is, is going to be accomplished in Paul's life no matter what. Yeah, I really just, I, this is this is such a story. Like, this is a movie. Yeah. Where do you see? We saw the other day, the uh, we, we rewatched this movie, um, Unbroken, with Louis Zamperini. Uh-huh. This guy who just goes through, like, impossibly, like, un, unbelievably impossible situations that wouldn't make sense for anyone else on the planet to go through. But him, he just goes through the, he, I mean, I don't want to spoil the story if you haven't seen it yet. But for, for Paul, he goes through these impossible situations and God's using every single one of them to bring about his specific purposes. Incredible. God's writing stories all the time and God's a good story writer, which is why, oh, hear this, which is why drama and conflict and contrast are what create really good stories. Mm. I don't I don't like it any more than you do. I don't want to be the victim of some crime or some issue that just makes me feel awful, but I know God's a good storyteller. And as you read this, if you're not moved and you're not concerned and you're not you're you're not sitting at the edge of your seat, maybe you're not really reading it because God's writing a great story and he's doing the same thing in your life. Maybe not a shipwreck, but who knows? Know that God's got it under control and he loves a good story. Yeah. And and I think there's some encouragement here. If Paul was nervous, if it obviously Luke was, I think there's some encouragement for us. Christian, if you're out there and you've been through a period where you don't know what God's doing and, and yes, you know the doctrine, you know God is sovereign, you know God is, is working, you know God is working all things for good and yet there's still those days that you wake up with a pit in your stomach, be encouraged. Luke and Paul did here too, right? It's how do we respond to that? It's what right. do we do with that? It's mm-hmm. not that like it's sin for you to feel that anxiety when it comes on for the first po- point to go, oh no, what's going to happen? Paul felt it, felt it, it seems like. Luke felt it, it seems like. Right. It's what do we do with that from there? And so I think there's some encouragement there for us as well. I don't want to belabor it, but man, it bears repeating. Cling to the words of God. Paul did not trust in anything else but the words of God. It was delivered in a special way. I get that. You might say, well, God doesn't send me angels, but you have something better than an angel. Mm. You have the word of God delivered in your hands, on a tablet, between two leather covers. You've got the word. Let God guide you and sustain you through that word. For sure. 
And we hope that he sustains you to another day tomorrow so you can join us again for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We promise to get that date right tomorrow. Yep. It's the 20th tomorrow, not today. Not today. Today's the 27th. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.